hello and thank you for joining us for Q&A. Um, this is your opportunity. If you have questions from the message to text them in to us, the number's up on the screen. So we encourage you to do so. We truly love having your questions uh, come in and they even spur other people's questions. So please send them in. And if you're listening back on the podcast later this week, we're so glad you've decided to join us. Um, so what a... Is that a subtle way to say if you're listening later, you can't ask a question? Well, you can I mean, still you say, can. yeah, you yeah, still could. You <laughs> I just won't be able to answer it <laughs> right now. Right now. And sometimes we go back later in the week and record yeah. a second podcast when we yeah. have questions. So <clears throat> it's flexible. So just send us your questions either way. Um, we'd love to get them. Um, a, a good time. Um, I think we've all felt an additional pressure um, yeah. in the past week or two. And what so, do you think the different pressure is? Mm. I don't know that it's different. I, I think for me it was shock, not shocking, but like, oh, here we go again. Like it was uh-huh. bringing, like I, you finally thought we were past it. Yeah. And so then it comes back. So then it's almost like a, a multiplied mm. weight because you're mentally prepared to move past it. <clears throat> it seems to me, and I, I could be wrong, I don't know all, but who knows what data you can really go with. Sure. But it seems just by my own circle that that the younger crowd seems impacted mm-hmm. by this new variant that uh, wasn't true uh, right. as much with the original. And so I, I think that's been some of some of the issue. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and the vaccination has just made it a pretty um, divisive issue. Now there's mm-hmm. lots of lots of frustration and anger of vaccinated against the unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. So I think those are some of the differences right now. Yeah, so, I would agree. Um, so first question here, um, and I can relate to this one as parents um, says, how do we apply this as young parents? We want to protect our kids and ourselves to care for them. So what's the balance of not focusing on self-preservation and still being wise and making decisions? Hmm. The second part here, it's an interesting question. What biblical principles or lens do we use when making these decisions as parents? That's kind all of, one question? Yeah. <laughs> it's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> like four parts. Yeah, four part question. <clears throat> okay, so for everybody's sake and mine, read it again, please. Sure. So first part, how do we apply this as young parents? Okay. Um, we want to protect our kids and ourselves to care for them. So they're asking about the balance between yeah. not focusing on self-preservation and hmm. then. Yeah. Actually, I think, Tracy, the balance begins with um, right-sizing my role. Hmm. My role, <clears throat> embedded in that question is, could be, I'm not going to uh, assume a motive from the person asking, but embedded in that question could be the, a mindset that says, it's my responsibility to protect my children, and if something happens to them, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would agree with that. I would say that it is your role as a parent to provide, to be responsible in the decision-making uh, for as a parent for, for children. And, and that may seem like, oh, come on, that's, there's no distinction. There's a huge distinction there because I could make good, responsible decisions and my kids not be protected. Mm-hmm. And I could make some irresponsible, really irresponsible decisions and my kids be fine. So 
I want to ask myself, as a parent, when I stand before the Lord, what will I give an account for? And I'm not sure, did you protect your kids, I'll give an account for. I think that's the Lord's role. I think I'll give an account for, did I make mature decisions for immature children? Hmm. For example, if it was my responsibility to protect my kids, I wouldn't let them drive. I'd let them fly before I let them drive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, everybody knows statistics for uh, problems driving far greater than right. flying. So how in good conscience do I let my kids drive? Well, uh, responsibly, mm -hmm. we had them take driver's ed. Responsibly, we drove with them. Responsibly, we said no phone in the front seat. Remember, kids, some of these? Um, That's a good rule. <laughs> no phone in the front seat while driving because of the temptation of mm -hmm. texting and that sort of thing when they're first learning. Do I drive with a phone in my front seat now? I do. But they're, they're learning and right. they're... Uh, they don't need to be distracted. So there were a number of, and they weren't all of them, but I was just listing a few things that were our role to be responsible. But I cannot, I don't have the power to protect unless I'm going to lock them in a room. And if I lock them in a room, all, now I'm not protecting them from other harms. Right. So. That's um, true. <clears throat> So this, I can't answer. What is responsible in a day in a COVID environment is going to vary from person to person. Mm -hmm. I would encourage a parent to right-size your role. You can't protect them. If that's the drive, you're going you're gonna to lose, and you're going to be way over the top in all your attempts, and you're not going to allow your kids to actually grow into responsibility themselves. So I have to determine what my true role is, responsibility um, for them to thrive, and how, what will that look like? That's going to depend from family to family. Frankly, that, that, that varies from spouse to spouse. Mm -hmm. What I thought was responsible at times, Jackie thought was irresponsible. <laughs> Imagine that. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The mother was like, oh, they can't do that. And I was like, I know you don't think they can, but I think they could. So you're going to have to uh, work that out within your own family and stop short of then, and this is the danger, stop short of once you come to f become fully convinced what's responsible in your mind for your kids to not assume that therefore every other responsible parent on the planet will do what you did. So, uh, right-size your role, define responsibility within your own household, stop short of judging when other people conclude differently. Hmm. I don't know if I answered all the questions there or not. It's good. But, well, it's good guidance. Yes, I, I think you did, because the other part was um, talking about a biblical lens in parenting. Sure. Well, the biblical lens... Um, when it comes to parenting in the New Testament, there's not a ton. But uh, we'll get here later in Ephesians. 
Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And pretty similar over in Colossians, uh, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. So there's something that we um, have to protect, what, protect uh, something we have to guard from mm-hmm. as dads. We have to guard from exasperating our kids. And exasperating them can come in lots of different ways. We may exasperate them because we don't give them any guardrails to live within. And they're like, I need some. Kids need some guardrails. Right. Or we can exasperate them because we're so narrow. Mm. But ultimately, what I hope the biblical lens you'll see here back, especially in the Ephesians 6 passage, was this. I cannot make my kids walk with the Lord. I can only raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I can't make them walk with the Lord. I can't protect them. I have to right-size my role and do my role responsibly, spiritually, is to raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Mm. Where they go with that, they will give an account to the Lord for it, not me. Mm. So I think that's the biblical principle that you apply physically as well. Right, and to all things as a parent. Okay, yes. Not just this situation. Yes, in all things. But ongoing in all things as a parent. Um, so next question here, um, I have a little bit of information above it. My problem is not fearing death. I look forward to being with my Savior. I don't want to catch COVID and knowing, unknowingly, sorry, make sure I get the right word there, pass it onto a child or older adult who may die. I also wish to avoid experience permanent de- debilitation that makes me unable to serve others or be a burden to my loved ones. How do we reconcile the desire to take precautions and protect others, as in love your neighbor as yourself, mm-hmm. with what was expressed this morning? Read that last sentence again. Sure. How do we reconcile the desire to take precautions and protect others, loving your neighbor as yourself, with what was expressed this morning? Okay. Yeah, I don't think anything I expressed this morning, first of all, quite frankly, I don't think anything I expressed this morning suggested that we not love or take precaution. Mm-hmm. It was to suggest, not to suggest, it was to declare without exception, apart from the exception of the return of Christ, that no matter what precaution you take, at some point you're going to sick, get sick, and at some point you're going to die. Now, mm-hmm. does that mean I'm reckless? No, uh, it doesn't mean that I'm reckless. There's a difference between being reckless mm-hmm. and going self-preservation isn't my highest goal. Mm-hmm. So... For example, um, I go to the temptation of Jesus, second temptation. uh, The devil tempts him to jump off the pinnacle, I think it's of the temple, and trust that God will uh, protect him from death. And Jesus said, don't test the Lord your God. In other words, that would be a reckless Mm -hmm. Uh, action, uh, testing the Lord. That doesn't mean that he determined, I will never do anything that would put my life at risk. So he was always willing to put his life at risk for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the glory of God. So again, I cannot answer for every person what is um, the right line for precaution and service. That's going to vary. Mm -hmm. What I can say is don't make your highest goal self-preservation or even your highest goal, the preservation 
of others. Make your highest goal the soul preservation, soul, not soul single, the soul preservation of others to pour yourself out for the sake of faith. When Paul declared the gospel in cities that were against the gospel, he was inviting them to believe something that would put their life at risk. Hmm. So if you could stretch that to go, well, if he really loved them, he wouldn't take to them something that would put their life at risk. No, he believed that something was greater than the risk of their physical life, and that was their faith. So I just want to um, re-emphasize, wasn't suggesting being reckless, wasn't suggesting right. being unloving. I was suggesting that there is a greater spiritual reality that trumps the physical priority that our culture is generally embracing right now because they don't say it this way, but kind of the fundamental idea is you are responsible to do everything you can to make sure you and others don't get sick and die. What? All of us are going to get sick and die. Now, again, don't be reckless, but that is not the goal in life. So I don't want to re-preach the, re-preach the sure, sermon, sure, right. but I want to clarify, That's I'm not suggesting being reckless. I am suggesting that the physical life is not the greatest reality. Right, and an opportunity to, it's a great description to pour ourselves out. And when we're focusing on that service of the Lord, to pour ourselves out, making sure we're not losing effectiveness and right. sharing Christ and to be sharing hope. Right. With others, and so next question um, about that: What one question would you suggest to ask people if they are ready for heaven? What one question? I don't know if there would be one question or not, but maybe a way to start a conversation. um, Okay, my uh, my training when early. 20s, late teens, actually late teens would have been the classic evangelism explosion question that folks may be aware of this. If you were to die tonight, are you for sure mm-hmm. that you would go to heaven? And if so, if they say yes, on what basis do you believe that? So that may be the question. You may ask it a different way because... Um, especially in the South, there's kind of a, well, everybody believes in God. Yes, you know, it's not true everywhere in the South, but there can be a kind of a cultural belief. Mm-hmm. And, right. and so you might say, um, as you look at your own spiritual journey, have you come to a place where you are trusting in Jesus to forgive your sin, or are you still in process? Oh, now, to be fair, to be, uh, not to be fair, to be mm-hmm. honest, I've stolen that, uh, a version of that from Bill Jones, who is a great evangelist and who works with a lot of folks up in South Carolina who don't appreciate being put as if well, you don't believe in Jesus and you're a heathen. 
to go, no, I'm going to give them some, well, they're still in the process. Like that. I'm not like totally cold to it. Mm-hmm. But to clarify, to trust in Jesus, to be your sin bearer, to be the one who has forgiven your sin, are you still in that process? It gives them more uh, of a opportunity to describe where they see themselves before the Lord versus a, have you come to a place in your spiritual life where you know for sure that if you were to die tonight, you were going to go to heaven? That's a yes, no. So there's a little more dialogue to that. So that may be one way to simply ask. Um, At a funeral, I will be often prone to ask. Funerals cause us to think the long thoughts of eternity. As you think the long thoughts of eternity, what do you think? That gives some really wide open. Everybody, everybody, everybody thinks the long thoughts of eternity Mm -hmm. at some point. And so as you think the long thoughts of eternity, what do you think? It gives them opportunity to say what they think versus we sometimes can ask questions that put them into yes-no categories. So I think uh, that's a more open-ended question. Well, it opens the door for conversation, too, right. and then even an opportunity for you to share your story mm-hmm. and your experience with Christ. And, oh, right. I get it. I was there. I had those same thoughts or whatever that may be. But to really connect with somebody, mm-hmm. then I think someone's far more likely to listen to your heart um, and listen and really yep. hear Christ's love for mm-hmm. them and what he did for them. And when they declare it, be sure to always ask, how'd you come to that conclusion? Oh, that's a good follow-up question. Yeah, how'd you come to that conclusion? Or what led you to li- believe that? Because um, sometimes, most times it's going to be helpful to understand the story behind their conclusion before you address their conclusion. Oh, interesting. Right. That's a really good follow-up question. That's a good good encouragement. I didn't think about that. Well, anything you would want to add in addition to or leave with in the last few minutes as we wrap up this morning? (laughs) Big question with a minute and a half to go. Right. (laughs) Um, a, A thought. Some may think, well, the logical extreme to... Death is gain means, why don't I just take my life if that's really Mm. true? I've had multiple people be willing to express that to me over the years. I remember a middle schooler years and years ago when I was just a Bible teacher uh, in a middle school, a student going, if we really believe that, then why don't we just take our life? And the answer to that, and I think it's it's a question people might wonder, but like, I'm allowed to ask that. Ask it, sure. So, Uh, Well, I have 50 seconds. The answer is this. Yes, death is gain. But yes, to live is Christ. Mm. So the reason I don't take my life is because I believe to live is Christ. So in other words, it's not that dying is gain because I have no purpose or reason to live. I have... Full purpose, great purpose, full reason to live every moment that the Lord will give me. So, no, I'm not going to take my life because to die is gain. I'm not going to take my life because to die is gain, but to live is Christ. So, I hope that that would speak to any question of, well, why don't I just commit suicide? 
We, we don't because uh, we believe in Christ. We have the greatest reason to live and live as long as he gives us life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, a great encouragement this morning. And so we hope, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you've been encouraged this morning and have a wonderful week.